Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the program as we bring you uh, choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m., and we are very excited about having nine different programs for you to listen to and uh, opportunities to hear information that, I don't know, maybe you won't get anyplace else. Maybe you do. We That's entirely up to you, but we're excited to be here to bring these programs to you. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, many other locations on the web, as well as YouTube, where you can watch these conversations unfold. We hope that you'll subscribe and click notification so that the next time I post a conversation, you'll be able to uh, listen in, as it were, eavesdrop, so to speak. Uh, but I give you permission to eavesdrop. So I guess it's not eavesdropping, is it? Uh, in any event, if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. Put my email address in when you are uh, wanting to post uh, uh, some support for us, richard at richarddugan.com. And also, we, uh, we ask that you uh, participate in what we have been calling the Decade of Perfect Vision. We ask that uh, you spend some time going within, listening to that still small voice, which we will be talking about here on this program today with our very special guest, Danny Blitz. Uh, and she's going to be talking to us uh, in general about uh, what does self-sovereignty have to do with intuition. More specifically, we'll be talking about a documentary series, Superpower, Ignite Your Intuition Intelligence. It's a 12-part uh, episode, I should say 12-episode documentary film series, which explores scientific data that uh, validates intuition, highlights uh, pivotal historical events, and um, provides tips on how one may tap into one's own abilities to experience everyday extraordinary successes. And um, we could all use more of those successes in spite of, uh, Danny, what uh, when I asked one of my uh, other guests when we talked about success and failure, which is more important, success or failure? And believe it or not, they said failure is more important is uh, it, because it teaches you a whole lot more than success does. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, I I do agree with the failures and they're not always fun. It's fun when we succeed and also when we don't uh, so that we know maybe what we might need to do. In fact, I did a lot of that with um, the pre-production stage of, of the film, which was figuring out the whole concept on which I was being led. And it was spirit-led. It was 100% spirit-led, the film was. And once I connected deeply to my guides directly, you could call it whatever you want, creator, God, that I was getting a clear message that the track I was on was not working. And I kind of knew that anyway, based on the failures <laughs> mm. that I was up against, you know, it just seemed like I kept hitting walls. And when I took, I took a good two, 
months out of just long hours of meditation, just sitting in front of my meditation table and going quiet and carving out every day, a time for that and journaling. And literally once I feel like I cleared anything that was in the way, mentally, emotionally, expectations, anything, just completely emptied myself, that the message came and it came. And I would ask questions out loud. What do you mean we're not doing it? <laughs> we're not going that route. We've been talking about doing this for a while. And, and it was like, well, no, you have. <laughs> but we haven't. Mm -hmm. And so, right. And there was this direct, it, it was very clear. And when, and the more questions that I asked and opened up to the answers, I thought, okay, it's not complicated. It's straightforward. This is the direction we're going. We're going to keep it at a very basic level uh, because there are interestingly, I think there were like four other films, all of us at the same time, without even knowing who we were, we're doing films about intuition and it was almost like the universe said, okay, you over here in this part of the world, you over here in this part of the world, you with your credentials, you, you know, this is the message we need to get out to the world. And it's about following your intuition. And where does that intuition come from? Mm -hmm. For us, for our film, I really wanted to allow the viewer to realize that they had the power to connect and do what made them excited, what brought them joy, that high vibration state that people talk about, that they could, by, by just maybe giving their left brain a little input, a little science, a little feedback, a little uh, story time from the different stories that came up, uh, that that would validate their own experiences mm. enough to say, well, maybe, maybe I should be listening to my intuition. Cause it seems like every time I don't, I get into trouble. And, uh, and then on the flip side, some people might say, well, it seems like every time I do, I do get into trouble. And there are a couple of answers to that. A, was that really what your intuition was telling you or was it what fear was telling you to do? Mm. Uh, and B, I've been told by one of my mentors that sometimes as much as you might clear yourself, as much as you bring in that information, there are going to be times that you are going to be led so that you could learn a lesson, perhaps for a bigger success in the future. Mm. So, you know, we can't, it, we can't place judgment on where, our guides lead us. And um, anyway, that's going down whole other, uh, a whole other aspect. But as far as the film is, the point was, was to see just regular Jane and Joe here wanting to listen to their intuition and, and having their relatives, their friends, their boss, you know, somebody saying, that's crazy stuff. You're talking crazy right now. That's all witchcraft. It's all voodoo. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, that's like, get real, get down to earth, do your job. You know, you, you mm. can't always enjoy your work. Uh, you got to suffer, <laughs> mm. you know, if you want to make it to heaven or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's like, no, it's, it's allow that, allow that to happen. 
And, you know, I, I followed, you know, I had those stories. I had successes with the film. I was, I think, dis disillusioned. I had my own disillusionment about some aspects of the film. And so I went, I definitely had my own journey, but I'll tell you that as soon as I listened to the direction I was being asked to take or suggested to take, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have to, uh, I have free will that once I listened to that direction, everything started opening up. It was so easy to get who I wanted on the film. Um, it was so easy to continue filming even when lockdown started. I, you know, two days into it, I got the real story of what was happening. And so I said, okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going down this nonsensical pathway. I'm going to go ahead and finish the film and everything kept opening up. Yeah, I had a couple of obstacles, but when I did, you know, it was usually caused by a human or something. I thought, no, I always had a backup. I always had a plan to finish it. And then once we did, it was, I just thought, okay, well, my way wasn't meant to be. My original plan A, plan B, looks like it's really working and it's still working. And so we finished the film. I think we were about six months behind in, you know, in total um due to whatever concerns people had about filming them about you know bringing crews and and that sort of thing to uh, surround them for a whole day um so you know we we had to we had to play some of the games that other people were willing to play with the propaganda that was out there and that okay but we're still going to get this done and we did it was it was so easy I I can't I I I cannot say it was not easy. <laughs> you know, I mean it was work. Let's mm -hmm. let's you know, I mean we might want to define what easy means. Uh but it, it was tons of work and I and I did burn myself into the ground. Um uh, but it was exciting. I might get 2 to 4 hours of sleep every night. Parents know what that's about. Uh I'm a parent. I you know, I was well, you know, I I was used to it. Mm -hmm. And uh but I would hop out of bed you know, knowing that people were depending on me. This is a, a global film. This was, mm -hmm. we had experts and crews all over the world. Sorry about that. And uh, and I always had somebody I had to get back to. So my obligation to others kept me going, you know, and my and primarily the obligation to Spirit, who clearly wanted me to make this film, and to the people of the world. And that's where we've been is you know with our mission is to is to ensure that everyone uh hears sees this film or at least understands that to listen to one's intuition is listening to god creator spirit universe guides and you're opening up it it leaves you vulnerable to not always being right to having a sense of tremendous humility mm -hmm. to let go every day every sometimes every moment of the day to say okay and then what that feels like in one's body you know and so that was the story kind of the back story of how we got rolling and kept rolling and it was all thanks to it was all thanks to um spirit
Well, first of all, where can people see this 12-part series, this 12-part um, documentary episode? Okay. So there are two places as of now. And I have, uh, you can go to superpowerfilm.com and there are different ways to see it. You sign up first to be a subscriber. We have a monthly show. And after each monthly show, we have in an email, a link to sample it. So if you want to kind of see it before you buy it, there's that. Mm -hmm. And we have now come out with a few different ways to uh, see the film in different packages, that sort of thing. So there's that. Plus, starting this month, we are premiering exclusively on Gaia. Mm. And, right? So it's it's very exciting. So if you're a Gaia member, then you already have access to it. And if you're a Comcast member and a Prime, Amazon Prime member, you can actually get access to it by subscribing to, I think it's a 30-day free, free trial. And then you could see the whole film that way too. So, mm -hmm. um, or just go onto Gaia.com and uh, get a seven-day trial, I think is what they give you and, yeah. and see it that way. So. And roughly, if I may ask, how long are these each of these episodes? Or better yet, how long is the entire 12-episode uh, documentary? So the whole 12 episodes adds up to around eight hours. Okay. And so you, you could do it in seven days if you if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, easily. Yeah, you could if yeah. you wanted binge to binge watching. Watch. Binge watching is a big deal <laughs> these days. So I know that they're, they're, they're going to be doing it in a day. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> And we're talking with Danny Blitz. She is the, uh, um, she is, uh, well, I, I was almost going to say she's involved. She's more than involved in this uh, project. Uh, she happens to be the director and executive producer of Superpower, Ignite Your Intuition, uh, Your Intuitive Intelligence. Again, it's a 12-part uh, episode, uh, episodic documentary film. Now, that's interesting. Rather than uh, uh, calling it uh, a 12-part series, because I'm guessing that it continues on. And, I'm, and this all may be semantics and, and and totally irrelevant to the conversation here. But I've often found it interesting. I've, 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 I've promoted the, the aspect that, you know, words have power. All right. So we need to be clear as to uh, what we're saying and why we're saying it. I, I remember um, back when I was born and raised in Phoenix and when I was uh, observing the gubernatorial campaign of a particular gentleman back in, I want to say the 80s, the 1980s, he was a former car salesman turned politician. And uh, his opponent in the, uh, I think it was in the primaries, not the general, uh, he brought up something that his opponent had dealt with in court 10 years earlier. But he chose to bring it up and um, I'm sitting there listening and I'm talking to people around me. And so I'm saying, what the, what is he doing? Does he understand that this is? And of course, I know he knows he understands that this was dealt with and resolved. And someone said to me, this is where my point of, of words have power comes in. Uh, they said, Richard, you are so naive. It's just politics. I said, no, it's not. Words have power. Well, it's just politics. He doesn't mean what he says. No, he does because his intention is to win that office. Ergo, if that means saying whatever it is that he has to say 
to convince the public to vote for him, then they're going to say that. And you can't say it doesn't mean anything. It's just politics because he wants this position so he can do whatever it is that he wants to do. I, and I don't know what he wanted to do. Uh, what and, and I will say from this standpoint, a sad fact, because what a waste of time and energy overall. He was the first governor of the state of Arizona to be impeached. After he was elected, after he went through all this. So intention in using words. So without and I've gone somewhat far afield in this uh, in regards to <laughs> calling this a television series or a documentary, episodic documentary uh, and so forth. Uh, this each episode builds upon the last, right? Yeah, I think that's where you were headed. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, it really doesn't. So you oh. could see any you could see any of the episodes. It's all related in that it talks about the different aspects of a person's life, mm -hmm. how to what what some children in this world are connecting to deeply, the powers that they hold because they're believed and they're nurtured. And they're guided on how to use those powers um, brilliantly in mm -hmm. the sense of things that most of us just didn't think was possible. Yeah. And also communicating with animals. It We have an episode that brings in, it, a lot of people think that only women are highly intuitive, right? And uh, so one of the, the folks on my team suggested that we do an episode for men and oh. so that they could feel like they could do this too. <laughs> I, this is uh, not we, a one second. Right. <laughs> We're talking about giving them equal time, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it's called intuition gender trap and it addresses, it addresses mostly the way that we're raised or that we raise boys mm -hmm. and the things that seem to get in the way of being able to connect to oneself to themselves emotionally and how they're not really allowed to express their emotions and you know how just that can get in the way of listening to your guides and listening to whoever is or whatever is supporting you in this life mm. uh, okay so there's there's the men and then we talk about healing of course energy healing because there's a lot a lot of that out in the world right now and um, we have a pilot. The first show really is an introduction to what people are going to see, but we it's not redundant in that way. Mm -hmm. So each episode then goes into a shorter episode, goes into um, a very clear aspect of consciousness, energy, frequency in our lives, an aspect in our lives. Mm -hmm. Where where would you place uh, because because quite honestly, at least from my perspective and my my limited understanding at this point, I'm I'm learning more as as we continue to converse. Where would you place uh, a superpower? Uh, say in, in the realms of some of the the other documentaries and so forth, where we've had um, incredible groups of people who have been brought together to share their insights and their perspectives and so forth. Like films like, um, uh, what is it? Is it What the Bleep, uh, yeah. The Secret, and yeah. other films, other documentaries like this, um, 
and even a, there, there I've even been television programs, let alone maybe movies where, and there was this one, I, and I tell you, I, I'm going to have to look this up to find it. It, it starred Kiefer Sutherland and this young curly headed boy. And they start out in the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes telling several different stories, including theirs. And um, as the program continued, each episode continued, they would um, they would show how each story, story one, would would cross paths with story two, would cross paths with story three, showing our interconnectedness. Um, is is that part of this this series, and also the work that Superpower does? in terms of showing that folks we are we are not separate we are not alone um and that we need to realize that we do affect one another i i suppose you could use the term the butterfly effect do you do you go into that aspect of of this this concept of intuition we do have an episode called how we are all connected and it goes into some of the scientific directions, as well as stories, personal stories. And the having the whole film be that way, though, you know, was was not the intention. But, you know, I want to bring something up because mm -hmm. I, I think it, it might be an interesting path uh, mm -hmm. for our viewers for sure. us to talk about, which is this whole collective idea. Mm -hmm. With the world the way that it is and working to get buy-in into the propaganda from every aspect that they can, they worked hard on the spiritual people. I know spiritualists, uh, spiritual gurus all from all over the world mm -hmm. who have bought into this collectivism thing. And so while, yes, we are connected and we don't want to forget that we affect each other and we affect ourselves. Mm -hmm. We, um, I think oftentimes do more damage to ourselves yes. than, right. Then, then we can really blame others for, there's a lot of blaming going on. Oh yes. <laughs> and yes. I'm, and I'm feeling myself actually going down two different paths. Where are we going to end up? Yeah. So, you know, this, first of all, taking responsibility is, a huge part of our mission is that we, you know, we have to realize, take responsibility, realize our power and work on that. When it comes to being connected to others, empathic people, I consider myself empathic, know that I could easily affect in my words and my thoughts and my actions, just in my, the way that I look at them, you know, especially super sensitive people. And uh, to just be careful of that and come from my heart, come from a place of vulnerability, especially if it seems like, ooh, we might be walking on eggshells here. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is that. And there are physicists talking about, Nassim Harriman's doing a lot of work. He's in our film uh, talking about, um, you know, how this works scientifically mm -hmm. and they are they're literally still you know making findings they put information out there and they're like oh you know this is something that we need to add to it or kind of rework or, or something it's a it's a work in progress and so so that's so this okay so this collectivism thing 
this whole concept of collectivism, spiritual people have to be careful that to discern between, yes, we're all connected and we affect one another. And we, if we all come from a, a beautiful, heartfelt place, then hopefully we will take care of this evil in the world. You know, I'm all for that. And we can't forget, though, that we could easily be eased, especially those who are privy to <laughs> hypnotic states. Mm -hmm. I'm not. No one's ever been able to hypnotize. Me. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says, but it. <laughs> so um, but if you are easily hypnotized, especially listen, that this could be a very easy way to take collectivism, this whole thought and turn it into more of this transhuman direction that a lot of our high tech people wish for us to go. And so I just needed to make that discernment because I know that people who are aware of, of a lot of things that are going on in the world, sometimes with their feedback will go, oh, what is this? That looks like they've got that evil moronic eye, um, you know, that the, um, the, who is it? The, um, oh, it's not coming to me. A particular group or two, actually, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, which is evil. It's, it's all evil and satanic and and all of that. And so I thought, no, I, I, I need to make it clear to people that is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that direction. We're actually talking about the individual going within, letting go of all that stuff. I mean, you want to educate yourself for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm all for education. And then what you do is you filter and you go, or even when you're listening to something, you're going, does that feel right? Mm hmm does that sound right? Look at the way that they speak. Mm -hmm. Look at their, listen to their intonation. Mm -hmm. Look at the way their eyes might dart back and forth. Like, does that feel right to you? Mm -hmm. And right. And so it, 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 you have to listen to yourself. You have to use yourself, your guides as a filter, ask for guidance constantly, wherever you need it in the simplest daily tasks mm -hmm. to start if you want to. Yeah. So, right. So the idea is to, to go within and do not, please do not get ca caught up in this whole wider collectivism viewpoint of following the herd and doing what you're told. Right. Well, and of course I'm not. And of course, from my perspective, that is not the definition I would give to collectivism. I do mm -hmm. understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. Uh, I'm speaking more in terms of, and I, I'm going to use See, I worked for 15 years for a Christian radio station back in the 80s, early 90s, in the height of televangelism. And thank God it has, uh, well, actually, it's reared its head again uh, here in the 21st century. But, uh, you know, things, they come and they go and they come and they go. In any event, um, you know, in terms of, of this aspect of collectivism, and again, this is from my understanding of the Christian philosophy. Mm. Um it's God's way or the highway, okay? You either do it God's way or you burn in hell, okay? Um, so setting that extortionism aside, there is an aspect of wanting to, and this is this is one of the things that I um, uh, uh, put together in an analogy where an individual is walking in this beautiful green meadow they have their hands cupped out in front of them. And if you could um, extract your personal will and hold it in your hands, this is what this person's doing. And they're muttering, they're saying, I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. God is listening. 
God is moved to tears that one of one of God's creation wants to do the creator's will. And this individual then tosses his personal will up and God catches it. And through the tears, God is compressing it down into the size of a baseball and it rears back and hurls back at this person like a 90 mile an hour Nolan Ryan fastball hits this person squarely in the head and says, then do something with the life I gave you. You are not a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you do not understand. Now, this is where intuition from this, from my perspective in this analogy comes in. When we listen to that still small voice, now I prefer, refer to it as my friend. Uh, and I've been listening to my friend for decades. I've done things that my intellect, my ego would never have done because it goes contrary to my plans, my plans. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it your way. The still small voice. Had I not done it the still small voice way, having hindsight of 2020, man, it would have been a whole lot worse. I even was bicycling once to work one day back in Phoenix. And I got this impression. You are to turn right at the next corner. You go up to the next corner. You turn left, go to the next corner, turn left, go, go to the next corner, then turn right. And basically what that did was it took me up a block over and then back down to the street I was originally on, on to work. Well, when I got the impression, I crossed that intersection. I didn't turn right. I went a half mile. And the impression would not go away. Now, I, I acknowledge this too, that it is always my choice. I was not coerced or manipulated, but the impression wouldn't go away. And I could have said, heck with you, I'm going to go on straight ahead. I turned around, went back a half mile, went up, over, down, and back to the street. I don't know why. I And quite honestly, in one of these programs I went through, personal growth programs, they taught us to give up the need to know why, especially when you're listening to your intuition. It doesn't matter why any more than it, it doesn't matter why my father died back in la last March, why my sister died two years ago, March, why I lost my best friend of 53 years uh, in May of last year. It doesn't matter why. It's just, that's what happened. Um, and so when I talk about collectivism, it's more that each one of us is connected to that divine essence, if you will, which is where we're getting our guidance, our inspiration, hopefully our encouragement. And uh, no, I, I, well, heck, I, I quite honestly, I'd have a big H burned into my forehead to be for being a heretic working at this Christian station because I was asking questions to the answers that I was getting. They, the answers made no sense. Hmm. Uh, they said, read the writings of the founding fathers. Said, well, who the heck set them up as the arbiters of the faith? And if I came up independently, not knowing these guys or what have you, uh, uh, and not reading their materials, then I must be like them. I must be at that same level because I'm asking those same questions. Mm -hmm. But again, the answers didn't make any sense. And that's where I think your concept of collectivism is unfortunately a part of much of our society today, not just here in the West, not just here in the United States, but across the country in different circles. 
I'm uh, and and I hate I um I I I just want to ask you this question uh, in regards to other, we'll call them cultures, okay, isms, whatever. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, one day, under the current, and I'll use them as as the example, Chinese system, all right, being kind, they have over a billion people. What would happen if suddenly those billion people said, we have had enough, and they rose up and they said, no more, we're not doing this anymore. Now, we have about 350 million people in the United States, approximately, give or take. Uh, what would happen if one day, all of a sudden, collectively, it said, we've had enough. We don't want th things the way they are. We want to change things. And we have a redress of grievance in our founding documents. However, we never seem to be able to get enough people collectively to accomplish some of these things. And I guess it comes back uh, actually to an, another statement we make on this program that we're always looking for those new ways of living because the old ways, they don't work anymore. Because we, uh, we want uh, things to be better for everyone. But the problem is, what is better? Who defines what is better? So when we talk about this collectivism that you've defined, that is, would you call it dangerous? Well, I think it is in the sense that if without us realizing it, because everything is a very slow, methodical process. Mm -hmm. So it, it creates buy-in at every little aspect, every little aspect, every little aspect. And before you know it, you're still listening to these people and you're not realizing what's actually happening here and why mm -hmm. you're being led in the direction when you start to question things. Like, wait a minute, why? how do we get ourselves here? And so those are the, the whys, those are the hows. Mm -hmm. that I think are worth investigating, looking at that history um, to see what happened. When did it happen? What was said? Where did we go wrong? At what point did we turn? So this collectivism thing, I think, could easily turn into, I mean, if you look at the definition of the collectivism, you and I agree. We, mm -hmm. we agree. It's not my definition of that. But I think it's, yeah. that it's being turned into that. Yeah. Yeah. slowly so that and that's what i'm saying don't get caught up in that you have to stay your sovereign self and we could go down that path as well because yeah. thankfully you started um introducing our founding fathers and that was that that was me questioning why why are we at this point how mm -hmm. did we get at this point first of all when people are seem too just too darn comfortable to get up and follow what our founding fathers gave them, the tools that they gave them to interpose between tyranny and and peace, basically, mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to live the life that God intended for us to live, which was all sped out in the Constitution of the United States. Mm -hmm. And what, go ahead. So what is your, because uh, there are two definitions I need. Number mm. one, what is sovereignty? And then mm. to a finer point, what is self-sovereignty and do, yeah. are they mutually exclusive do they work hand in hand etc sovereignty is basically rule bottom line rule 
And if you look at some of the old, the old 1828 uh, dictionary that uh, I used to study the words and the meanings of the Constitution, mm -hmm. that that was that was brought up about rule over us, right? The king's rule, the um, at at one time that we were trying to break free from, you know, the tyranny that the king the king did not treat his people well, right. <laughs> And the people said enough, like, you know, why aren't we doing that now? And but they had also gone through some really rough times, right? They had there were some very wealthy people that seemed to glide uh, along and, and do well. And, and that would be our founding fathers. They created this document and had everything to lose. And most of them did, actually, if you look back and you research, you find that they lost their lives. They lost their families. They lost their fortunes. They lost their homes. They lost everything for us. And, but still the people around them, not everybody was wealthy. And so tough times is something that they were used to. And they raised arms because it's like, well, <laughs> we have nothing to lose. <laughs> so let's just go for it. We've seen all of this. We've been through a lot already. We're, we continue to not be free here, even in the new world. Um, and I don't mean it by what they mean today, by the way. That mm -hmm. was, you know, the old world, England mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. new world, uh, this land. And and they had everything to, uh, well, the, the, the wealthier people had everything to lose when they created that. And the people that, that fought had nothing to lose. But I think that's, you know, where we are today is that people are so comfortable. They are so used to their conveniences mm -hmm. on their phone. They can't get off their phone for one thing or another. Many years ago, I decided when I sit down for a teacher conference, she better be off her phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I sit down with a friend I haven't seen for six months, she better be off her phone <laughs> or my stop. And I wait. They're like, oh, no, 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 go on. It's just like, I'll wait. Obviously, something's very important that six months isn't going to remedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Our technology so, has kind of gotten away from us. It is. It is. And uh, it's kind of addressed, actually, in our film. Not a lot, a lot, right? But it's mentioned. Uh, David Sutcliffe mentions it in um, his episode. And so, you know, that's, that's the piece where we have to have a lot of, um, you know, have you gone through something rough already? Have you? And I feel like a lot of us folks who are open to listening, listening to what other people have to say, um, asking the why, asking uh, what, what, how, what happened in their life, or what have they read, or what is their belief system to draw these conclusions, and not make it bad. Mm -hmm. Don't put judgment on it. Just listen to people. That was a huge part of my own um, continuing um, awakening. You know, it's it's just a continuous process for me. It has been all my life, and uh, and I'm not saying woke. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying awakening. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That there, there is a, a big difference. Uh, at <laughs> least, at least in our society, yeah. there's a big difference yes. between being woke and being awakened. Yes, yeah, it's it's a huge difference. Yeah. I actually anyway, think it started out as one one thing, meaning yeah. awakening, and then it quickly. I'm like, whoa, what happened here? I don't have yeah. that belief system, folks. I'm not into censorship. Yeah, you know. So um, anyway, where anyway, were we? Continue. Were... Go ahead and continue. Yeah. 
as far so, as the, the aspect of sovereignty versus self-sovereignty continue. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So you asked me to begin, what do I think sovereignty rule? And so it's rule. And so self self-sovereignty is really self-rule, right? So it's, it's having one's own decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying forget all the laws that are out there, be a vigilante. You know, uh, I, I'm saying go within to decide what's right. And if those people are saying you have to pin your child down to put a an experimental drug into their system, then, and that just doesn't feel right. And you're not sure, then say, whoa, 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 let me, uh, we're going to time out. <laughs> I'm going to think on this a little bit and get back to you, mm -hmm. you know? And so- so it's it's about that self-rule helps you to create boundaries. It helps you to say no, not now, maybe later. I need to do some checking on this first. You're deciding for yourself what you're going to do. And and if something doesn't feel right, like mm, the, tyra the tyranny in our federal government. It's actually everywhere. It's not just federal. I know it goes right down to the local. Mm -hmm. But the tyranny that is happening right now, does that, are we okay with this? Yeah. Is this something? And then the other part that you you, pro you probably noticed who didn't is when you, especially during lockdown, and you'd say, how is this okay with you? Or somebody would say, well, did you get your jab? And I go, yeah, I don't subscribe to that cult. Mm -hmm. Uh, but how, how did you get there? Like what, well, my wife said I had to, if I wanted to go flying and I said, I've been flying everywhere and I didn't need it. So that's the difference between this belief system that you've handed over. You have handed over your values. Mm -hmm. You've handed mm -hmm. over any kind of belief system or you're taking on others belief systems mm -hmm. and you're not figuring out what works for you. And yes, I mean, this applies everywhere to everyone, to every group, to everything. It's like, do you subscribe to that? And if you don't ask why, ask how, ask God, ask our creator for guidance. Mm -hmm. I need your help here. I am completely lost. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to turn. Get quiet. And, and there's a huge bodily feeling that you get. Like it, it's, you can feel yourself settling. You can feel yourself letting go and, and not hanging on anymore. It's a physical, I do. I have a physical feeling in my body when everything is just letting everything go so that I can get those answers. So they go, okay, well, I've done a lot of research, a lot, a lot of research, not just the propaganda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like I've, I've I've been really looking into this to very unpopular people in the world because they're telling the truth about what's mm -hmm. going on and they're being censored. So, um, but even the curiosity, why are those be people being censored instead of drawing those conclusions? Oh, they must be bad. Those disinformation doesn't, they are evil. They're going to do evil. It's like, where did you get that from? Yeah. You know, like, I'm sure God didn't tell you that. Yeah. And it's on all sides. It's not a specific uh, a side of, of an aisle or a, a particular group. It's it's everywhere. Everybody's yes. doing it. And um, and, and so, well, why are they doing this? Because it works, because it works, because people uh, have have not. Uh, oh, let me put it this way. <clears throat> I 
have thought about this for some 44 years. When I first started working in radio, I was working for a radio reading service for the blind and visually impaired. And we broadcast live uh, the reading of the newspapers in that uh, in Arizona, it was the Arizona Republic Phoenix Gazette, periodicals, newspapers, magazines, books, the whole shoot and match. I even produced radio theater for a number of years for them back in the, uh, the uh, early 80s. And uh, what a blast that was. And I used to think about the ultimate format. To me, that was it, number one. But then I started working, of course, for the Christian station. And then I started working for news talk and information stations over the last 40 years. And the format, the ultimate format for me would be a news talk and information station that might have programming as well, but it would have news and information that would be coming from multiple sources, multiple. Mm -hmm. And then I would then use the phrase, I'd steal it from uh, um, the, the uh, Fox uh, news people. We present the information you decide because that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to decide for you any more than when I share my perspectives with you or on any of my other, pro any of the other programs that I do. They're my observations. I don't put them on anybody. I'm not saying I'm right. And I'm not saying I have all the, God forbid I should have all the answers because I don't want that attention <laughs> for one. Um, I'm trying to figure this, this out just like everybody else, you know? And uh, so uh, that would be the ultimate format would be providing people with information. And in a way, the internet is that, except that people fall into the pockets. They fall into the echo chambers. Mm. And it's like, okay, how many different sources are you reading from? And uh, I, still, I still love the quote. Are you ready for this one? The quote from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln who signed uh, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, who uh, supposedly ended the Civil War, and on and on and on. He said, and I, I have to believe it's true, don't believe anything you read on the internet. And now, obviously, he never said that. But I've heard people quoting that. And there I'm sure, and I've seen some of these, uh, uh, these uh, you know, the short little videos on, on YouTube and so, and even on Facebook, where there, there are individuals who are asking different people of different ages some of these basic questions, almost along the lines of, uh, okay, so what color is the White House? Those kinds of things. And they'll get it wrong. Okay. Those, those, those are the fa it's fascinating to me. And then you get a qu someone who's asking questions of a young person and they get every question correct. Mm. And it's like, wow, okay, great contrast. I love it. I think that's wonderful that it shows. There are people who don't know what the facts are, and then there are people who know what you know the history is. How about this aspect of um, learning from history? I, I made the comment in one interview once. I said, you know, that it's the statement is, you know, that if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And he, the response by my guest was, "What are we supposed to learn?" Which I thought, really, uh, it, it seems self-evident, but. What do you think? Does he, do you think his question was valid? What is it we're supposed to learn from history? So otherwise we're doomed to repeat it. And maybe there are aspects of history. I don't know. Maybe that we do want to repeat. Well, I would say if you don't feel like looking into the history, don't. <laughs> True. If, I give you that. 
right? If you feel like you're, you should be spending your time doing something more worthwhile mm -hmm. for yourself, your family, your community, the world, whatever you mm -hmm. feel is going to make you excited, then do that. But as far as history, I was actually um, not into history. I took it because I had to. Mm -hmm. I made good grades because I, you know, memorize this information and do well in the test, you know, all that silliness. I think that even back in my day uh, in school in the 70s and, and 80s, that uh, that they still weren't using history uh, smartly. They weren't teaching it smartly. They were mm -hmm. just giving you dates and names and wrote memorization. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I feel like what would be beneficial and far more exciting for our children to learn is to say, okay, let's talk about this part in history and what happened, and let's go into it deeply. Mm -hmm. And let's find out what the repercussions were uh, of the choices they made. And, 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 then, and then also let's have a discussion about, is that something that, like, what would we do? Would we do it differently? Would we um, do the same thing so that we could make the same mistakes so that we could learn to do better next time? You know, what what would we do um, or with this advantage mm -hmm. of having this information, what can we pull from this that seemed to work and extract from it that which was not working? And and that's for me, I think would be as a kid far more exciting because a we would have more involvement. We mm -hmm. would have more discussion yeah. about it. And we we'd be able to use our intuitive intelligence about mm -hmm. our with our discussion and yeah. also just thinking deeply. That is not taught really in schools. Not not all the schools are that way. I know just because fortunately we found schools that were that taught the kids to think on their own to, yeah. and to have Critical intelligent thinking. conversations, yeah. right? And to figure things out. But mm -hmm. mostly it's not. You know, if you go to a school where it's just rote, everything's rote, then I would I would skip that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, now there's a there's a there's a curriculum that's out there. Uh, by the way, uh, a sidebar on education. About 20 years ago, there was a story that came out about this new new math. They called it whole math. All right. Mm -hmm. This is the example they gave of whole math. And I thought, are you kidding me? <clears throat> two plus two equals four, right? I mean, that's we would agree on that because we can we can prove it, right? Whole math says, let's sit and discuss what two plus two is. That was the basic premise of whole math, according to the story that I read about 20 years ago. One of the uh, one of the curriculums uh, that is out there that uh, I finally got a definition of, um, and you you alluded to it in terms of the way that you would want to see history, and since we're talking history, being taught, but they call it, and I think it's misnamed. They call it critical race theory. All right. Supposedly oh. teaching people how to hate America and so forth. And I'm I was it was described to me uh, that what they were doing was they were teaching the good, the bad and the ugly of history. All right. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's just what you said, because then, OK, we're learning from history. How would we do that different? There's nothing wrong with that question. It's not teaching people to hate anything. It's teaching right. people to think, like you were saying, I made the comment, critical race, uh, not critical, critical thinking, period. Mm. And, oh. and 
And I was talking with a couple of educators who said, basically, that's not the way it's if there's a teacher out there that's teaching it so that it t t tells the kids to hate America or whatever other country or any nationality, they're doing it wrong. And supposedly there are there are maybe some teachers that are doing it wrong. But to me, that's see, here's the problem. I grew up in the sick. I was born and raised in the 60s. And when I was in school, I was taking history and they taught me about Christopher Columbus. And of course, that's saying in 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, blah, 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 blah. When we got to 1992, and again, I was still working for the Christian radio station. Uh, I remember what I was taught. Columbus was a god. He was so great because he discovered America. But in the 500th anniversary I found three different versions of the history of Columbus and discovering America. Now, first of all, he did not. He wasn't the first. Right. According to history, it was Leif Erikson, at least as far as recorded history. All right. It was it, well, it was before Columbus, be that as it may. Anyway, I, three different versions. One, he was a saint. One, he was a devil. And then one, he was sort of in the middle. And I'm going, What? I'd rather I'll go with the one in the middle more than the left or, you know, the, the bad, the good or the bad. Um, granted, as we expanded our presence across the globe, and I'm talking humanity, we didn't know what unintended consequences there would be in terms of uh, the different, for example, the different diseases that the indigenous peoples of the different countries that we came to. Uh, they were never exposed to. So their immune systems hadn't developed to protect them from those and so forth. And that's just one example. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, in terms of what you're talking about, when we talk about this aspect of sovereignty, self-sovereignty, and this issue of intuition, uh, I love your description of the way to teach. And as a matter of fact, I don't know about you, but if you, you know, you hear often we need to throw more money at education. And I sit here going, no, we don't. You want to cut classes, cut the basics, cut the basics, because you just using uh, music class as an example. Guess what? You're going to learn not only English, but you're going to potentially learn foreign languages because a lot of music that you might learn to play is done in another language or sing. Then you're talking about a learning uh, about um, whole notes, half notes, quarter notes, eighth notes. You're talking about syncopation and, and the list goes on of all of the things. Then I, I even got into chemistry. I used to play the baritone in high school. What's that baritone made of? How did they come up with the, 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 the idea to mixing this chemical with that, this mineral, this element with that, to make the material, the raw material to then make the baritone and then curve it in the way that they, there's geometry potentially. Again, I'm no, I don't know all of the subjects that you hit, but you see where I'm going with this? Just in music, the basics are there. So why not teach those? And then would you say that um, this whole aspect of, uh, let's just use the example of music. Music, it transforms people. I mean, we mm -hmm. see this all the time, right? Can you share with us, uh, uh, you know, your observations in regards to what I have shared? Or is there anything to add? I mean, I'm not saying I'm right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. Yeah, where you, you, I agree that 
<clears throat> on a couple of things right at the beginning from what you said is we don't need more funding. They control us through their funding and then create generations of people that buy into what they're saying. Mm -hmm. That's public school. It's quickly becoming private. Sadly, I started to see that transformation when I was raising my daughter. Mm -hmm. And that is not a smart way to go. We need to rework how we're going to educate our children by not taking federal money. That is really just a tease to and and a way to people are addicted to that money right now. Oh, yeah, they're just yeah. addicted to it. And they're so afraid to push back because they're afraid they're not going to get their money if they do. And I just have to say, you know, if we want to be a sovereign state um, and go back to how our founders intended for us to be, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we, we got to stop taking that federal money. It's actually against the law for them to withhold it and do all of that. And there have already been a couple of cases that have fought mm -hmm. uh, the federal government to say, no, you, you can't do that. And the state won. And so, but there are also very clever ways. Some people are saying, and I, I haven't done the research on this, so I don't know, but what I'm hearing is that it actually, people actually do better by not taking that funding. If they really look at their books and they look where they're spending the money and mm -hmm. how they're having to report, report takes a lot, reporting and testing takes a lot of time and energy and money to do. You know, if they got rid of all that money, along with all of the requirements that go with that money, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we would see a transformation already in our yeah. school. Yeah. And we'd have to be ready to tough it out. We'd have to be ready. I mean, already parents are. They're pulling, I heard, 20%, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that 20% of children in schools have been pulled from schools. Yeah. Fortunately, they're being homeschooled right now because yeah. of the stuff that's going on in the schools. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's that's the piece where, you know, it's that money we mm -hmm. got to let go of that money. we got to let go of that fear. Yeah. We've got to become sovereign in our own way, our own self-rule on any level, whether individual, local, state, county, right? That we need to realize that that power that we hold and that was given to us by our founding fathers. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just, a, it's not a protest, folks. This is a duty. Yeah. We have a duty. Mm -hmm. to step in between tyranny and our freedoms. Yeah. So when I train people here, for example, I show them how I do it, but I tell them there's a particular result that we want. So after I've trained you and you are now doing solo, I don't care if you stand on your head. I don't care if you can juggle with one hand and still get the result we want. That's, that's my point. And Listen to other people. That's it. Seems to me, uh, uh, Danny, that one of the biggest problems we have is learning from others. And when I say others, I mean others from other countries who have done it, mm. whatever it is. Not just education, but you know, and and it's like it seems as though the uh, you know the American spirit's a great spirit, but unfortunately, it's also very arrogant. Mm. You know, and you hear the phrase all the time. This is the greatest country in the world. Is it really? And why does it have to continue to be? Why can't somebody else take the lead for a while? While we, shall we say, uh, what is it they do in a factory when they have to change um, 
they have to uh, change out the equipment to to manufacture something else. And there's a term I can't remember what it is. Uh, but you know, why can't why can't we just step back for a little while and retool? That's it, the retooling. And then yeah, then we can go if if it's absolutely necessary that we compete. If that is absolutely necessary, um, you know, it just seems to me that uh, uh, it, it's not real productive that that we are competing with. I guess you would agree with this with incredibly inferior tools. Mm. And uh, would you also, would you agree that uh, Einstein said it best? You cannot solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. And unfortunately that consciousness has been perpetuated over the last, I don't know, hundred years. And it isn't any, it's actually probably even worse today. So we're not really going to solve many of the problems with the people that we have today. Although I have heard some interesting things about a lot of young people. And there was a great study that came out just recently. This had to do with drinking. Older people, they, they're still enjoying the drinking. Younger people, not so much. They're saying, no, nah, don't need it. Don't want it. Uh, so sales, unfortunately, for the <laughs> alcohol industry are dropping. Um. And I, which I think is a great thing. I'm not saying that you have to quit if you don't want to. But uh, my father taught me years ago, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. So what do you think about this whole competitive aspect? Um, you know, and then, of course, you know, we're, we're working with inferior tools. So we can't really compete until we upgrade our tools, our machinery. I feel like you've said it. Uh, I'm not sure yet. You actually did uh, freeze again, or I froze, something froze, so I couldn't hear a lot of what you said on that. Okay. But just, um, you know, you might want to tell me what you started out with so that I can answer properly. Well, I, I hope that you heard, maybe you didn't, the part about uh, um, uh, training people here in broadcasting that I, that's my industry. And I learned, I, I went to a six month course back in 1980. Okay. Six months. And I jokingly say that I knew more going in than I did coming out in a manner of speaking, mm. but I trained people how to, for example, run the console. And I say, I'm going to show you how I do it. And I'm going to tell you the result we want. I don't care when you solo, if you do it standing on your head, from behind your back as long as you get the result we want that's all that matters how you get there that's entirely up to you um it seems to me that for i mean because we've been talking education it seems to me that that's part of the problem in our educational system it's like well then okay what is the result that we want that's the first question i think that needs to be asked yeah so, i i I know that when I made my great move from a place that I thought I would die in, um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, I realized what is different about the people here where I live and compared to the people from where I left. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is, is that they have values here. They know it's important it's if I cannot live this way, if I cannot live in this way, mm -hmm. 
then why am I even here? And they will fight to the death to, to maintain those values, to hold on to those values. Whereas where I left, oh, what are we supposed to do next? Uh, okay. And you're bad because you're not following what you're supposed to do. Uh, and, you know, it's like, wait a minute, aren't you wondering, aren't you wondering anything? Like, aren't you looking into stuff? Like, are mm -hmm. you, what, what do you, are you, you look like a puppet. You're acting like a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course that's what they want with the, these generations. It's so much easier to control and indoctrinated. Um, I mean, we are all indoctrinated to some level. I know that, you know, I'm trying to figure out what am I still <laughs> what do I still have in these deep, dark crevices of my, you know, of my yeah. life that I need to clean out? You know, takes, like, what am I? It takes a long time. It takes a long time to find those. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I'm not, I'm trying to figure out what's left. Where am I? And sometimes yeah. I wonder if it's, you know, is this just a holograph? Am I just being sent from one, um, from one dimension to the next to, and sometimes I feel like we're in completely different dimensions like like it's like yeah who is this person and what world are they living in this is crazy and they're like yeah. right next to me and i can touch them yeah. <laughs> this yeah. isn't a dream this isn't you know i'm not lucid dreaming i'm not having an out-of-body experience like this is here on this planet right now at this time i feed it like it's me i can feel it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah. just it's like what is different from the, you know, and at least people here, if they're not as aware of the things that I say, then they're like, you know, I am so busy with my children. <laughs> I am just not paying attention to anything out there other than getting them to school and getting their house taken care of and, you know, and picking them up and taking them to their activities. It's like, no, I know I've been there. I get that. That's not, you know, no judgment, no judgment at all. It's not about that. It's about listening to your God. You know, a lot of them mm -hmm. are, a lot of folks around here are completely God driven. They're, you know, that's, it's, um, and I just feel like there's just this stronger sense of family, of values, of what's important. Like they're not letting go of those. Why mm -hmm. would they let go of those? They've got their heads on, screwed on completely, you know, tight and, mm -hmm. and uh, in a way that it's not too tight where they're, still listening, observing, curious. They're so polite around here, though. Sometimes they don't ask questions until they know you better. Um, but I, I'm all for curiosity. I'll ask them, ask me a question, ask me anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I know we don't know each other well, but you know, it's, you know, you'll learn soon that that's okay with me. And so, yeah, this whole, I know I started going down different holes. Did you want to steer us on a different track or do you want to well, I mean, you, and you touched upon something that I, 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 we can go down because it is tied into the whole aspect of, mm. of listening to our that still small voice and our intuition, mm -hmm. uh, and that is uh, the various philosophies that are out there that tend to, um, that tend to, so to speak, uh, create our values, <clears throat> and uh, each person has to decide for themselves what those values are. Mm -hmm. But as I said earlier, uh, working for 15 years for a Christian radio station, asking questions and getting answers that didn't make any sense, I started looking elsewhere mm. in other philosophies. And what I what I found, and this is again, I will say I'll say this one more time. This is me. This is my observations. I 
do not put this on anybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that I, I began to uh, better understand the world in which I lived and I began to understand, and I came to a point where the rights as well, and this is something I think people miss in our founding documents, uh, the founding fathers, there aren't just rights. There are responsibilities too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And one of the things that I discovered when I began to start re start searching, I began my search when I was 17 and trying to understand my place in the world and where I came from, where I'm going, those basic questions. And what I began to realize probably in the last 20 years is that everything that's been written in those documents that speaks to our existence in the material world here specifically when it comes to the philosophy the i'll use the generic or general term of spirituality or i'll even go beyond that metaphysical world everything that they wrote about you is not wrong it's not right it's not good it's not bad but when it comes to the metaphysical it's irrelevant mm. because i and again, this is a belief. I don't know this, but it's a belief that there are no founding documents on the other side. My father and my sister, for example, and my best friend, they don't have first, second, third, fourth, fifth amendment rights. All right. I don't know what they're doing. I don't. And I don't even know, but I believe uh, that there is something else. But there are a lot of people who say, no, nope, once, once you're dead, it's over. It lights out. Well, if that is the case, we're never going to know it. Well, because lights out. <laughs> but it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to have this existence and to be doing this questioning and this searching and doing what you're doing, for example. You know, y'all you're going into those little crevices where you're, you know, and so forth and trying to understand yourself and on and on and on. And then say, and that's it. <clears throat> it's just this existence. And, and we're here for a less than a puff of smoke. So I've come to the conclusion, again, for me, my life has meaning. Because mm -hmm. if it didn't, then I would say, bye-bye, I'm going to go out and rape and pillage and plunder because my life has no meaning. It doesn't matter what I do. However, this leads me into an area where I want you to, 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 to elucidate on for us, help us to understand. There are people out there who listen to that still small voice. And then they go out and act out what they were told that you and I would perceive as, to put it kindly, extreme antisocial behavior. So how, how do we differentiate between that still small voice that you and I listen to and we believe that we're being led and guided and so forth in Oh my gosh, it's hard to not put judgment on these phrases, the proper direction or the best direction or whatever phrase you want to use, as opposed to those who are out there with extreme antisocial behavior that we find that abhorrent, that we can't seem to solve the problem. That's, you know, we talked about education too. One of the problems I have is the fact that I'd never go to school now. Cause I wouldn't feel safe. It was bad enough with the bullies I had to deal with in the sixties and seventies, 
but I wouldn't want to go to school today, not in public school or out in public because it's not safe. Anyway, so um, let me pull it back and ask you this question. How do we differentiate between the voice? And again, I don't know how exactly to put this. The voice that we should be listening to mm-hmm. versus the voice or voices that some people are listening to. Because this was brought up to me in an interview years ago. So your thoughts? I would question, and again, there wasn't a specific example. So I don't know if it's people who were born into a culture, as an example, uh, who were taught to worship a man as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, an invisible um, energy or our creator. Mm -hmm. And and do things in the world that this man mm-hmm. is telling you to do and but never really having the education to know that there's that there are other possibilities in this world than listening to a man and blowing yourself up and, and taking a bunch of people with you mm-hmm. you know and uh, I mean, people looked at me when we were in lockdown and, and the shot was available. They thought I was abhorrent because and they thought I was doing all kinds of damage in the world. So, you know, what are your belief systems and how did they come to be? And the still small voice, I would I would I would question if we were really to look at that and take a group of people that claim they're listening to their still small voice and they're doing damage in the world. You know, first, my first thought is, is, well, you know, if we, we keep harping on this world is, is going to, we're going to blow ourselves up and we keep putting energy into it. Well, that's where we're going to, that's, what's going to happen folks. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Instead of putting energy into how much love actually, there actually is in this world today and how much all of those people want peace and how much all of those people just want to raise their kids in peace and educate their kids and, and make a a clean living and, you know, um, and, and just lead a simple life and love people and, and take care of one another. There are people like that in this world. And if we put our energy into that, well, then maybe we're going to get less and less just by doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also just taking steps to continue to help educate people on, mm. on even just this yeah. aspect or whatever. But another part of this is, you know, and I'm listening to to the folks that I've I've been taught, my teachers and mentors, and um, where they say, well, what if they're meant to do this? What if this is their job? What if this is a part of living a human life on planet Earth? And it's our job to work through those obstacles in some way. And maybe mm-hmm. along the way we get blown up doing it, or maybe along the way we get an, we lose a leg and, and we have stories to tell and we can go out in the world and tell those stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe this is just life for human on <laughs> planet earth. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that the people that are blowing other people up, um, listen to the same God. <laughs> Mm. Right. I, I think they'd be the first to say, we don't listen to the same. You know, I listen mm-hmm. to this guy and you listen to something else. Yeah. And uh, and is that wrong? What they're doing is wrong. Well, their God uh, would say, you're right on track. Congratulations. I know you're dead. Uh, and uh, but, 
but we've got a whole army of other people to take yeah. care of the job that needs so good on you. Well, and I, so, I, you know. I hate to break in. Uh, we are uh, slowly running out of time here, but uh, just to add to what you've said, uh, there are those who do believe that we sign a, we fill out a contract before we come into mm -hmm. this world to live a particular life, to carry out particular actions to uh, um, uh, our, our, our soul's purpose, if you will. I will share one other thing. One of our slogans is giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make mm -hmm. dream, their dreams come true. And it has been said that we are where we are today. You and I, believe it or not, are right here where we are today because of the choices that we have made literally from the time we came into this world. As a little kid, there was a choice I made that said, okay, you're going to be here in 2021, 2023 rather, or 2024, I'll get it right, uh, talking with uh, Danny Blitz. Uh, but then uh, I says, and of course, that means also that uh, the choices that we make today and tomorrow will put us where we will be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. One of my guests, I love quoting one of, uh, some of my guests, and I wish I could remember their names, but nonetheless, said, that's true. However, you need to add another filter to that. I said, what's that? He says, the choices that you make today are based upon your perception of what you think the future will be. I don't think we're going to blow ourselves up. I think we'll figure it out. I'm an optimist. Uh, the glass is half full. Although I love George Carlin and his comment about the glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, he says, um, it's not a question of whether the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. It's that the glass is too big. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're talking with Danny Blitz, and uh, we're talking with the uh, director and producer, executive producer of the series that we hope you will uh, check out. Go to uh, the website, which happens to be superpowerfilm.com. Superpower, ignite your intuitive intelligence. It's a 12-episode documentary film series. Um, and uh, I have three final questions that I ask all of my guests. And um, I, again, thank you for giving us so much time. I hope maybe we can have you back to talk about some of the other, as you put it on your website, offerings of superpowerfilms.com, because uh, we want to make uh, make available uh, these ideas to people, again, because we're trying to provide people with choices and knowledge of those choices if they want to help make their dreams come true. But before I um, ask you those three questions, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and then Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m., and we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We um, are also podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many others. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these conversations. We hope that you will um, subscribe, but also click notification so that when I post a new conversation, you'll be able to tune into that. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. Put in my email address as to the person you're sending, richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And as we've been talking throughout the program, we hope you'll participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, where we ask you to go within and listen to that still small voice. We may have to have you back, uh, Danny, to talk more uh, in depth about this aspect that we uh, have ended this particular program with in terms of which voices are you listening to and so on and so forth. But uh, with all of that being said, the three final questions that I love to ask all of my guests. The first is who is Danny Blitz? 
Mm. I'm a wanderer. I hear a song coming. Second question <laughs> is, what <laughs> what gets you out of bed in the morning? My dog. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your best day? When my daughter came into the world. Mm. And to the wanderer, the song that came to my mind was a song I remember listening to on my father's record album, Hoot Nanny. Always a wanderer, early in May, from New York City to the Golden Gate, and so forth and so on. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. I look forward to coming back. And we will have you back and we will have you folks coming back to listen to more. Tell me your story on a regular basis. We hope new paradigms for a new world. And until our next broadcast podcast, video cast love to law Jeanette. I am still listening. Dad continue to be happy to my dear friend, my best friend of 53 years from grade school through the present day. I'll see you on the other side. And to my dear friend, Zorro, a ho, a ho.